Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the most fascinating and really the most helpful leaders in the business community from around our terrestrial orb, I am. Bart Jackson, your Hieronymus Bosch of business. <laughs> Look it up. And this day, my friend, we are going to put your business into harmony and yourself into managerial awareness, just like the winning firms. And uh, No more of this fussing around with one process than the other pesky one. You're going to climb a 300-foot ladder. You're going to take an overview of the whole company, and from there, you're going to play like the big boys. You're going to learn how to put the whole organization into a unified operational excellence. In short, you're going to put your company into a state of readiness to react to every opportunity, and your sweet executive self is going to be all set to make some rapid-fire decisions. And you are going to learn how to achieve all this marvelous uh, wisdom under the benign and expert guidance of Mr. Joseph Paris, uh, international corporate mentor who guides major players from all over the globe the, the folks that you look at and admire. And also, uh, JP is the author of the much-acclaimed book, State of Readiness. So whether you're a nursery grower striving to get more out of your hard-labored plantings on the move like John or you're an, an entrepreneurial city revitalizer trying to get a core of juggled projects to feed all the fascinating customers into the flagging Atlantic City casinos like Alan, Pull up your chair a little closer. Join our Feast of Wisdom, which is all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish. JP, I'm so glad that you could cart your many wise strategies all the way across the pond from Frankfurt, Germany, and help us uh, towards some sharper decisions here. It's uh, it's great to uh, be here, Bart. Thanks for thanks for inviting me and having me on your show. Oh well, we're, this is this is great. I'm so glad that uh, we can hear that the folks can now hear your wisdom firsthand right over the, with your voice. Uh, and kicking right off, JP, the very title of your book, "State of Readiness." Now it points to some uh, a necessary shift in in how we need to run our business. I, I know it's an old military term, as you point out, and. But you set it up as sort of an adopt-or-die response to dealing with today's upgraded competition. So tell us, what, for a corporation, is a state of readiness? Well, you know, a state of readiness, if you think, uh, you know, Mike Tyson famously says uh, that, you know, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. You know, so, <laughs> uh, you know, we talk about it this we we talk about a disruptive company, you know, or, uh, you know disruptive, uh, uh, you know, marketplace. Uh, people want right. to be the disruptor or more often they're being disrupted. And right. whether you succeed or fail, whether you're the disruptor or the disrupted, your organization has to be in a state of readiness in order to face the opportunity or peril. Most companies huh. don't have that internal ability to execute. They have the, the desire, but they don't have the uh, ability. They don't have the capacity or the capability. Right, and so this is the pro- and this is a series of processes that you by which you can it is possible for you to make yourself ready. Well, okay, uh, quickly then um, right along that line, the operational excellence society moving yourself forward. Uh, you founded it, and 
quickly, without the jargon, what is the Operational Excellence Society, and how does it work, and whom does it serve? Well, you know, the Operational Excellence Society is a bit of a uh, a Forrest Gump moment. You know, I was more lucky than smart. <laughs> uh, I was at a uh, I was at a conference several years ago, and um, uh-huh. the op- the idea of of operational excellence came up, and you know, it was like right. a you know poking a cat with a, uh, a dead cat with a stick. We didn't really know what it was. So LinkedIn <laughs> was very young at at the time, and I grabbed right. the operational excellence group. And, uh, you know, because it was available. You just, you know, I just grabbed the group right. and people started joining. And I didn't really pay huh. too much attention until it grew to 5,000 and then 10,000 people. And then I'm thinking, who the heck are these 10,000 people? Yeah. And, I started, yeah. You know, and now it's, you know, now it's over 60,000. But, um, you know, oh, I started paying attention to who these people were. And they were from all over the world. Um, and what I discovered is that the challenges faced by companies and people are the same everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, there's tax issues, regulation issues, supply chain issues, quality issues, blah, blah, blah. But how people uh, uh, engage these challenges and opportunities is very, very local. A person from South Africa will look at it differently than a German, which will look at it differently than an American. And so that's what really fascinated me is how do these people see and then react? And, um, and so I started creating a, uh, you know, being more active and trying to get some collaborations going into, you know, what is operational excellence, which eventually led to, to uh, our working definition. But, um, you know, it's uh, so the whole idea. you put a forum together in a sense, right? We, we put a forum together. And, um, you know, it's a right. more altruistic endeavor than anything else. Um, it's right. know, by the people and for the people. Um, there's no dues. Um, you know, I think that the... Uh, the day of um, paying for content is largely behind us. Um, you know, yeah. if I want uh, to find a, a, a you know a, a, an article on something, and I have to log in or I have to pay to see it, versus you know it, it, similar articles are already out there, I'm going to get the free ones. So sure. I designed the site with mm-hmm. the idea of um, a New Yorker. I'm from New York. You know, I'm easy to remember. I'm yeah. in Paris, living in Frankfurt, from New York. And I designed the site so that there's no <laughs> barriers between the person that wants it, the information, and the information. You want it, you click on it, you get it. Well, that, that so is really great. And the, my, Joe, is to, I, I'd, I'd like you to, to remember one thing to you who are listening, that Joe has just said, uh, that we talked about operational excellence, and we, he went right back down to the original, to the people who are handling it. He knows the source of all business change is coming through people, and that's great. And with that, tempting and toothsome notch at today's Feast of Wisdom, now allow me to fulfill my duties as proper host and lay before you a few, shall we call them utensils, for furthering the, the feast. And the first utensil, as I always do, uh, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you translate your foundation's beliefs into structured action, make what you truly care about an operational guide, 
Or will you continue to just merely react to each new encounter flat-footed with yesterday's tradition as your guide? The choice, the choice, my friend, is truly yours. And as a second utensil, I can sense your learning, your yearning, I'm sorry, to steep your lips into a little laughter and taste a scriptural recitation from the 102 Best Business Squips book. So here I am. Let me pull it out here. Here we go. Oh, okay. Oh, Joel like this. This is 22. In America... Foreign trade consists of manufacturing a product in a country where no one can afford it, then shipping it back home to the only company where anyone can afford to buy it. (laughs) And as an afterthought, since the dawn of the machine era, manufacturing has chased the cheapest point of manufacture. That's obvious. But it is... It's sort of an ironic twist that this nation of immigrants is filled with folks who came here to be rich enough to purchase what is now being made in the lands I left behind. So, anyway, so if you smirked a bit over that quip, we have them literally by the books full. Just visit BartsBooks.com, pick up your 102 Best Business Quips book, and you are going to put several shots in the chamber and target both the brain and funny bone of all your fellow chain gangers at work and they'll love you for it and as a third utensil appropriately entitled the readiness caesar salad fork (laughs) bad pun we proffer you the answer to last week's business quotation uh that is the name of the author who noted cultivate your curves they may be dangerous but they won't be avoided Think of it metaphorically. Anyway, these words were spoken by none other than one of Hollywood's wildest and certainly wittiest women, the incomparable Mae West. And stick with us because later on in the show, Blurting Your Way is going to come another enriching quotation. And if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of this quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be and email it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com. And if you're correct, your knowledge is going to earn you a bolstering gift freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. So, with our utensils in hand and being ready on the left, ready on the right, ready on the firing line, turn with me to the corporate betterment master, Mr. Joseph Paris. JP, one of the things you do in your book and, and in your talks, you bring out the very excellent point that today's business climate has a a very high level, a high speed of decision making built into it. Now, frankly, I've always believed that all business uh, has been operating at breakneck, even whether it's a quill pen or a computer. But you're, but, uh, Joseph Paris, I want everyone to know, is a gentleman of action. Here's a man who met his bride, uh, who met the lady, eight, and within eight weeks, uh, fell in love, courted, and slipped the ring on her finger and set the whole process working. He he knows how to make swift decisions. So, JP, could you give us a, a sort of a framework or an attitude adjustment where how so people can speed up their the, the decision making process process with often in in um only partial data? Well, that, um, that's a great question. Uh, and, and have you know that that was 27 years ago. We're still married. So, you know, oh, wonderful. You know, Congratulations, you know, sometimes, sir. Sometimes things, you know, they, they happen fast and then they fade fast, right? But this one this one had some, some runway to it. Um, you know, great, great. Over time, you know, decisions in business have – that decision time frame has compressed. You know, you talk about quill right. pens – 
you know, we had the opportunity at one time to respond via mail. Okay. And, and of course there's a lag time between the thoughts and the decision. And that's all built in because of the, the, the lack of technology. You know, there used to be, you know, hand delivered mail. There used to have been the Pony Express, then rail, then airplanes, now emails. So even though, um, business has always worked at a breakneck speed, everything was relative. And today, the challenge of today is that everything is almost instantaneous. You know, several years yeah, ago, yeah. Bill Gates wrote a book, uh, Business at the, at the Speed of Thought. You know, and, and that's mm-hmm. really what we're at. And, um, and you know, the, the competitive advantage of the company today is going to be the one that can make decisive decisions quickly and relying on its mm-hmm. capabilities and its capacity to carry out and to refine those decisions in play. Like, you know, for my getting married, for instance. Um, right. Obviously, how much can you know about a person in eight weeks? But we made the decision, and then it was, it's been a constant 25 or 27 years worth of refinement. You know, we, we worked the problem. Uh-huh. You know, we faced the problem, worked right. the problem. Um, and we each rely on our, our understanding of ourselves, both our strengths and our weaknesses, and we keep that momentum going. Um, you know, of course, we've made mistakes along the way, but it's not so much you're making mistakes, it's what you do about them. So, in other words, you make your decision, and it's not that's not the end point. If you wait for the, your decision to be some sort of cast and stone end point, you're, you're, you're going to both be on Social Security before you get married, or, before, or your company will be sold. But you're saying make the decision and then work with it thereafter, right? Yeah, well, I mean, you make your decision. You know, the, the Marines talk about the 70% solution. If they have okay. a solution they think has a 70% chance of success, then they make the decision and then work the problem. Um, you know, and I would pose to the audience, how much data is enough data to make a decision? You know, how much, that's a real question. Right. How much data do you need to make a decision? How much is enough? And I would say yeah. that decision point comes when your confidence exceeds your fears. Well put. Oh, well put. That's uh, It's early in the show, but I would like to say that uh, Joe has just given us a quill pen moment. I'd like you all to take your pens and dip them in the inkwells and scribble down the timeless truth. It's when your confidence exceeds your fears, it is time to make a decision, and as he says, work with it thereafter. Okay, very good. Now, another thing you, you mentioned, Joe, if you talk about out, outliers uh, in your state of readiness book, the, the, the apple cart upsetters, the, the naysayers, the ones who are po- constantly bucking the, the uh, conventional wisdom. Now, you mentioned Albert Einstein as an example, and he certainly was. So wh- what about, uh, can a CEO be one? Could Jack Welch qualify as an outlier? Uh, or are you locked into it, uh, into that position or out from it by rank? Well, you could. Um, a CEO can be an outlier. In the case of Jack Welch, uh, he was not an outlier. He was with GE okay. since 1960. Okay, so uh, he only had the, he only had the lens of GE to look at his entire career. Now, if you want to think about uh, a CEO that was an outlier, you could look at okay. Lou Gerstner, you know, who took over oh, okay. the CEO role at IBM. And he used right, to be right. the president of Nabisco. 
And when IBM hired him, the Wall Street was was laughing. They could they, they said, "What does a guy that makes Oreos for a living know about computers?" And the, right. the, the simple answer was nothing. He knew absolutely nothing about computers, but he was a good businessman. And he said his yeah. mission was to go through all of IBM and try to figure out what its strengths were, its weaknesses, redefining it for the future. And, you know, he came out with IBM Global Services, a de-emphasis on iron and an emphasis on services. So a CEO could be an outlier, but it's almost always going to be uh, a CEO going from one company or one industry to another. I see what you're saying. Okay. And uh, by the way, a little Lou Gerson story that I I remember somebody telling me that uh, he when he was working with IBM at uh, – when he was there, and he said, Gerstner would pick up the phone and call, routinely call people anywhere on the line, a department uh, head or some guy or anyone throughout the business and ask them how things were, ask for their opinion, uh, ask for the problems and challenges, and just chat with them for a little while. I mean, that is, that's sort of that continual outreach. I, I've always, I always as I, so I can see you, you picked a wise person. Um, so, in, oh, if you've just joined us, by the way, you're listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time streams magically through the profoundly misperceived realms of cyberspace. And you may listen to uh, this episode and all others by visiting theartoftheceo.com. That's theartoftheceo.com. You can also find us on Blog Talk Radio and iTunes and Buzzsprout and several other stations, FM. But for your convenience, try theartoftheceo.com. And... Now, uh, you talk about, uh, JP, your, 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 the, the state of readiness and being prepared to act and react. And then you, you which is all vital, but you give some of yours a sort of a system-drenched formula. And so I'd like to sort of play outlier to some of the systems. You, um, some of the, the formula that you put out, for instance, you talk about your, your high-performance teams list, and you go, you talk about, uh, talent resources and financing and marketing and you're saying that each of these needs to cover bases and I, I think that's right but let's let, I need something solid let's take uh, the talent resources what do I need to have my talent resources which people call which some people call AR uh, what do I need to have my talent resources team to to do to work toward operational excellence well you know operational excellence is um, is is beyond just the the functional silos. So you you had mentioned marketing right. and you know there's production and finance and HR and all these these we'll call it you know business smokestacks in an organization, and each one okay. of them might be uh, working at a level of efficiency and effectiveness uh, in and of themselves. But as a team, they're ineffective because there's no uh, cross business smoke uh, smokestack collaboration. You know, uh. marketing doesn't know what production's doing. You know, finance doesn't know what what marketing's doing. You know, you know, it's like how do you measure the success of a of a radio ad? You know, how do you how do you know your your spend is is reaching yeah. somebody? Because when when they call you, you didn't, immediately don't ask them. Oh, how'd you hear about us? I mean, that hardly ever happens. So, yeah, yeah what yeah. we have to do as a as an organization. Pardon? Yeah, I was just saying that's true. What we have to do is. What we have to do as an organization is we have to learn how to leverage the talents across these business smokestacks, and um, and companies don't do that nearly as well as they should. 
give me. I, I want to. We have to break for a commercial, but give me a good example. Someone you've seen who, who's 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 making the uh, smokestack to smokestack bridge. You know, uh, one company that you know do some uh, name dropping. One one company that I think does a very very excellent job of it is uh, UTC United Technologies. Uh, I've been to several right. of their facilities um, uh, in Milietz, Poland. Does that? Uh, uh, a facility where they make the uh, green version of the Black Hawk helicopter that, you know, without all the oh, yeah. super top secret G whiz stuff that, uh, that uh, the U S <laughs> version has. Um, right. But, uh, you know, I went there and everybody, you know, the, the level of communication was enormous. Um, everybody knew what everybody else had to do. Um, you know, I, I, I went, ah. I walked it from stem to stern, you know, from, from, you know, how are they promoting it? How are they communicating? How are they contracting to how are they building? How are they sourcing? Um, and these people uh, really had their act together. Um, you, know, you know, since then, of course, uh, you know, Sikorsky, which was the uh, UTC division, has been sold to Lockheed Martin. Um, and I haven't been sure. there since, so I can't tell you whether that's been an improvement or, or not. But um, when I was there, right. uh, I think it, they called it their ACE program. Uh, I think it was uh, oh. an outstanding, uh, an outstanding effort. It's it's so good when you see somebody who, who they have not just the willingness, but they have something like an ACE program that's an actual structure to make sure that the communication gets out. And um, so, um, with our yeah. corporate minds all UTC, set to communicate here, um, yeah, I'm, you, I'm sorry, afraid we have to take a with pause. UTC, they called it their business operating okay. system. With, oh, with UTC, okay. they call their ACE program their business operating system. You know, their computers have an operating okay. system. This is how this was right. their operating environment. So, so it was all inclusive. Boy, that that shows, and it also shows the the emphasis because they're making it a foundation system, something that was uh, it's not an add-on. That's oh, geez, we got to communicate, but uh, an operating system from the from the ground up. That's great. Right. Uh, and so, uh, as we kind of shift our minds in, into into communicative gear, um, allow me to take a brief uh, pause and sort of a sorbet from uh, JP's Feast of Wisdom, and allow me to introduce you to the company by whose good graces we're here today. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing, creator of, among many other divisions, Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides. And you may visit. Uh, bartsbooks.com that's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com to, to explore really a, a wide wealth of practical wisdom from business masters. And this very day, Prometheus Publishing invites you to take a look at uh, one of its sightingly, uh, solidly guiding volumes. And that's, and that's, uh, so that's how they do it, Tactics from Business Masters. And this is one of my favorite book projects uh, that, that Prometheus does. Because of the readership, it's deliberately designed for those folks that, that uh, we term the, the energized elite. You, you, you know who you are. The, the, those individuals who are really seeking a fulfilling and satisfying career enough to push away from the swivel chair, rise up, and pick up a better tool, read whatever need be done, visit whatever company is doing it right, and get out there and see it. So if you are among those, uh, and you're not just seeking, seeking some five-step uh, success template. If you really are looking for a smorgasbord of tactics and disciplines and mindsets and attitudes, uh, why not pick yourself up a copy of So That's How They Do It and 
find take the tools to you that apply and perhaps spark a few new thoughts of your own. And again, you may find that. Uh, so that's how they do it, uh, at among other places, and many bookstores, and also at bartsbooks.com. Oh, and while you're at it, go to the when you're at that Bart's Book website, don't fail to take your little cyber feet and click on that blue mailbox. That will send uh, absolutely free uh, every week a business quip, just as the one we gave earlier, by the eternal enigma of email, and you'll get a fresh dose of laughter, and it'll astound it upon you, guaranteed. <laughs> At any rate, enough of that. Uh, let's fling wine the portals of your mind as we rejoin Mr. Joseph Paris, uh, author of A State of Readiness, uh, and uh, JP is the one who guides major corporations into operational excellence. And right along that line, um, JP, you're, you're in every sense an international businessman. You have your perceptive eye on many cultures, and uh, I've noticed that there's a, a great cultural difference between entrepreneurs in, say, Europe and the Pacific Rim versus those in the U.S. And I was wondering, and yet you say the way people want to solve problems is the same, but I was wondering if you had noticed any difference in general business approaches uh, internationally. What, what's your thought on that? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's hmm. uh, it's pretty amazing, uh, the orientation and the uh, nostalgia and the tradition um, that varies from, from country to country. Um, I, I think that uh, companies in America have a, uh, a unique advantage because of the availability of the diversity of their leadership. Oh. Um, so, for instance, mm-hmm. when, when I go to Russia, Russia right. uh, has a culture of punishment. Okay, If you make a wrong mm-hmm. decision, you're punished. So what happens is nobody makes a decision until it's a uh-huh. crisis. Once it's a crisis, now we just fight the fire. We don't have time to make blame. You know what I mean? Somebody's head will roll yeah, later right, on, right. but you know, you know, nobody stuck their head up to get it nailed down. So uh, you know, that's that's the Russian way. South Africa, mm-hmm. ingenious little buggers down there in, in in South Africa. If they have a problem, they go to duct tape and WD forty. I mean, that's their go to solution. Um, <laughs> you know, it's very very bootstrap. They don't expect a solution to last years. They just know that if they uh-huh. don't do something now, it might not be it might be years before it's solved. So we need to act today. Um, you know, Germans they will they will overanalyze everything. They won't make a decision right. unless that plan is perfect. Um, but Americans, two hundred percent data, we make all filed in. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was funny when I moved here to Germany. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you can't know everything when you move here. And, um, oh, and sure. so one colleague of mine says, you know, uh, how's your move to Germany going? And, you know, he was a German. I said, you know, you know, we didn't think everything through. And he looks at me and he says, right. typical American. You know? But <laughs> the thing is, you know, you know, we don't think. So that's, but that's the point, I guess. You know what I mean? That's a state of readiness. Yeah. You know, the, the German will yeah. make sure that it's going to be perfect and it's going to be late. You know, they might miss their, their competitive window because it's passed them by and they didn't make a decision in time. We uh, will make that decision yeah. and then just refine it going back, going on. You know, there's one other thing I've noticed, JP, that I think is, uh, and I'd, I'd be interested in your take on it. I've noticed that when you talk 
everybody wants to be an entrepreneur, no matter where you go. I, I talk all over the world. Everybody says, oh, I want all the young people and the, the MBA equivalents. Oh, I want to start my own business. But if you ask, if I ask anyone in America, or if I say I'm starting a business in America, the first question anyone asks me is, "What's the invention? What are you making? What's the new thing?" In other, in particular, in, in India and China and, and even much of Europe, the question is, "What sort of business are you going to run?" In other words, there is there's just this in, inherent inventiveness in the American business approach that you don't see. Uh, whereas in India, I may want to take the, the same 17 software programs, bundle them in, and sell them to to people over here. Uh, have you seen that? I was just wondering. Well, yeah, the challenge here, uh, you know, in Europe, there's there they have a lot of institutions here in Europe. I mean, everything is about right. the institution. Um, it's it's, right. it's more about the form of doing business than actually doing business. Um, you know, yeah. Like I said, they could well, they could but, take forever decision, and um, and what I what I find is a huge challenge here, is that um, their lack of uh, risk taking, and and it's born out of that punishment. Like for instance, if I go yeah, bankrupt yeah. here in Germany, my business goes bankrupt here right. in Germany, it could take seven uh, years for that to be processed through, and oh not only that, I might be prohibited from ever starting a business ever again. Now, Whoa. GM, when it, no, I'm not kidding you. When GM went bankrupt, it was in and out of yeah. bankruptcy court in 30 days. 30 <laughs> days. Now, of course, those were unique circumstances, but you know, yeah. this is this is the difference between, um, you know, people wanting to take that risk, and what usually right. happens is that the company will mature to a point here in Europe, and then it'll move to America. Because they oh. can't find the funding, they can't find private equity firms, they can't find the venture capital. You know, the banks are very, very conservative. Um, so if they oh, don't yeah. have funding, there's only so much of it here that they can get. Right, right. Also, the fees. I once made a, a huge mistake in, in telling people that if you were dealing with a foreign country and you have a, a certain partner, that you should open up an account in that, so it would make transfers easier. And what I didn't realize was the her- that in most countries, uh, other than ours, that the the bank fees will eat you alive for if you try to make that move. So I, I did, that was a that was a blunder on my part. Um, Joe, I, I can you give me? We're running to the end, but I desperately want to bring up one thing. Uh, you took uh, an outlier role of yourself when you held up Toyota to the light and you examined all its facets. And everyone, you know, there are books written about the marvelous Toyota, the way of Toyota. I mean, I could cite you three titles and everyone thinks it's wonderful they had record-breaking sale every year for year they had record-breaking sales record-breaking revenue product marketing was perfect and they also had record-breaking product recalls which you brought up could you give us a just a quick thumbnail of toyota and the lesson we might learn from that now um you know Toyota is uh, famous for its Toyota production system and its uh, and its lean methodology and just in time. You know, there's a whole history there. Um, and you know, yeah. mind you, I don't believe that a company can reach state of readiness or have a level of operational excellence without these tools. Okay, it's a, it's a okay. cornerstone. It's 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 a bedrock. It's part of capacity and capability. Now, the same with right. Six Sigma and theory of constraints and the rest of those those things. Um, but what um, they don't do is they, they 
they don't uh, um, we'll call motivate or grow the innovative spirit. Uh, you know, I, there's an article in Automotive uh. News just recently that um, uh, the, the uh, CEO of Toyota, Aiko uh, Toyota, um, took a car around a track. And, um, and it was all electric version of his, his beloved Toyota 86. It's a sporty coupe uh, Toyota had personally handled. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And when he, was, when he was done, the first question was, you know, what's your impression? And he said, eh, it's a car. You know, it didn't wow him. <laughs> and, you know, here it is. You know, it's a car, you know. Uh, and think about this. You know, cars are becoming commodities, you know, oh, yeah. back in the yeah. day, you know, you had, you know, you had the Cadillac fins and you had all this real innovation. Yeah. But, you know, now it they're all a, looking it, at it tanks. Wasn't a car, it wasn't a car, it was a statement. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. But but nowadays, they're all looking the same. They're all based on aerodynamics and there's some trim and some, some nuances. But, you know, really, the commoditization of cars, and by the way, everybody's adopted all lean principles and Six Sigma principles. So they're no longer, you know, competitive differentiators. And um, oh, okay. you know, I, I you know, I, I think that if you look at a company like Ford, okay, uh, right, it's coming out with some really snappy-looking cars and, and uh, uh, you know, some, oh, some yeah. high-quality vehicles. We talked about outliers earlier. You know, here's a, the ultimate yeah. outlier. You know, the guy Elon Musk. You know, he he made his fortune in PayPal. You know, selling PayPal. Right. And um, and he had no knowledge of cars. He didn't even have mm-hmm. knowledge of electricity. You know, he was, you know, he was a systems guy. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and yet, you know, he takes this $250 million, which is his payday, and what's he start? He right. starts a solar company, a rocket ship company, uh-huh. and, a, and an automotive <laughs> company. Now, he doesn't, you know, he's, he's able to do this because he doesn't know any better. Okay? You know, right. If you're, right. right we talked a about little intentional Welch, blindness though. could go a long way. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. You know, talked about Jack Welch. Yeah, sorry. No, I, I hate to say it. I I, I want to go on forever, and you're going to have to promise to come back. But I'm afraid right now uh, they're they're coming in to the studio here, and they're about to put a lasso around my neck. So um, <laughs> I, I what I'd like to do, if you could be so kind, supposing that that I really am looking for operational excellence, and I'm really serious about getting the, the harmony within my community, within my business community, how can I get a hold of uh, jo- Joseph's wisdom? How can I get a hold of Zonatech? What's the best way to reach you? Well, the, probably the best re- uh, way to reach me is uh, through my personal website. It's uh, www.josephparis, mm-hmm. one word, dot me. www.josephparis.me and from there you can Ah. see all my other platforms for transformation and of course uh, you know I have the uh, state of readiness uh, um, book out which is uh, easily found on Amazon or Barnes and Noble and its own own website uh, state-of-readiness.com okay that's wonderful JP, I thank you so much for coming on. We'll have to have you back, no question about it. Uh, But again, I thank you so much for for sharing your insights, which are original and truly thought-provoking. So I thank you. Thank you Uh, for having me, It was a great pleasure. Oh, it's been great. So as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation, 
who was it who said, few men have the virtue to withstand the highest bidder? And as a hint, this cherry tree chopping father of a particular country uh, stated as his first wish uh, of all would be driving the plague of war from the earth. And remember, if you know the author of this quote, simply jot that author's name down as you believe him or her to be and send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com to win an absolutely life-changing, career-igniting gift from the dungeons of Bart's Bookstore. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, one face-to-face conversation carried out at an unhurried pace, profiteth a man more than a thousand emails. And it's a heck of a lot more fun. And to you, who have been gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed the Art of the CEO show as much as um, Joe Paris and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember that you may download this on all our shows by visiting theartoftheceo.com. And finally, I to you, who have honored us with your time, May I say, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you.